Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is Monday, June the 5th. 2023 Mondays are often associated with turning over new leaves, beginning again, often associated with our bodies and dieting, but maybe that's the wrong way of thinking about it. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we had a great show with a writer, Elise Lonan, a Los Angeles-based writer on why women should indulge their sinful sides, at least according to Elise. She has a new book out, on our best behavior, the seven said deadly sins and the price women pay to be good. Um, she's all in favor, I think, of breaking out of what she calls self-denial. Uh, she believes that women, women's equation of self-denial with being good has been profoundly harmful to women. Um, she asks uh, why we congratulate ourselves of resisting the donut in the office break room. This is of all all, of course, bound up in our, and particularly women's, conception of, of body, um, body images. My guest today has a new book out. She's very much in, I think, the Elise Lonan tradition, although I'm not sure she's necessarily in her camp. Uh, she's a, I guess I, I'm calling her a body therapist. She might correct me on that, a trainer, thinker, therapist, friend. Uh, and she has a new book out, uh, Body Neutral. Uh, she's based in North Carolina, and she's joining us today, uh, Jesse Neeland. Uh, Jesse, congratulations on the new book. It's out in it tomorrow. Uh, would it be fair to call you a, a therapist, or is that um, the wrong way, the wrong word to choose when it comes to the body? It's the wrong word only because of licensure. It's not my uh, education. So I, I'm a body image coach. And what does that mean? You're not a, a trainer. Often people go to coaches to work out, to lose weight, to yeah. sharpen up. But you're not in that business, are you? No, I used to be actually. But no, uh, it's a life coaching certification is the the foundation of my work. And then everything that I do on top of that with body image is uh, stuff that I came up with after leaving the fitness industry. So I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Lonan thesis uh, in uh, On Our Best Behavior, The Seven Deadly Sins and the Price Women Pay to Be Good. But are you at least in sympathetic to this idea that self-denial is, is a kind of form of self-imprisonment when it comes yes. to the body? Yeah, I don't, know I don't know her work, but yeah, absolutely. And how does that work? Why is it she... I mean, she's more of a historian and she traces it back to mm. Christianity. Um, I'm not, I don't want to turn this conversation into a, an intellectual history, but, but why is this happening, Jesse? Is it a form of exploitation? Is it commercialism? Is it sexism? I mean, honestly, I feel like it's kind of a combination of everything. Like, it's absolutely got a gender component because women you know, historically have been the ones who are expected to uphold self-abnegation and self-denial and all of the virtues um, more so than men. So definitely there's a component of that. There's, you know, a capitalist component because it's all about like selling women the thin ideal. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, it's kind of all of them, I think. But ultimately, a lot of women at this point are taught that their worth is linked to their 
body and appearance and their body and appearance is measured by how thin they are, by how much they can deny themselves their hunger. Yeah, I mean, it's all bound up in the fashion industry and the wellness industry. We've done a lot of shows on that. Yeah. I know you're not um, necessarily a big fan of what's known as body positivity. You had an interesting piece in time suggesting that what you call body neutrality works better than body positivity. So perhaps you might define what you mean by the two and, and then let's focus on, on, on your notion of body neutrality. Yeah. So body positivity started as a political movement in rooted in the, the fat activism of the 1960s, the fat acceptance movement. Uh, so it, it's got like pretty great roots politically and socially as a movement, but it was never intended to become what it is now, which is like kind of a mainstream movement about individuals loving their bodies and feeling beautiful. So I would say like maybe 10, 15 years ago, it got really popular and it kind of made us all think we could just everybody could love their curves and embrace their flaws. And uh, ultimately, it just didn't really work. Uh, you know, we didn't yeah, really. Not at all. I mean, we have yeah. images here of uh, one woman, uh, Sarah Sapora. Yeah. Uh, I love her. Supposedly a self-love mentor and, and wellness advocate. Are there some people who still are happy with this? Yeah, absolutely. I think that body positivity did a lot of good for uh, for some people. And I'm not hating on body positivity at all. I just recognize that for a lot of folks, it didn't offer the 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 individual body image healing that they were hoping for because it was never intended to. It was never a movement designed to help individuals feel better about themselves. It was about political and social justice. So in contrast with body positivity, what is body neutrality, which is this, the, the title of your book? Yeah. So body neutrality is you neither need to love your body nor hate your body. It's a way of overcoming body image suffering in which you just don't attach to the body as much. Uh, you strip the body of all the extra meaning that we, we tend to place on it when we feel like it's connected to our value as a person, our character, our worth. Um, so it's a it's the ability to see your body neutrally like you don't have to love it. You don't have to hate it. It's still worthy of respect. And more importantly, it doesn't define who you are. So in an odd way, then you're suggesting we need to liberate ourselves of our body. It's an old Christian idea, although you mean in the world itself rather than after life. Yeah, I actually don't know much about the Christian idea there, but yes, I think so. So how do we do that? Um, <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it's obviously it makes sense. But for many people, is this specifically for women or, 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 or is it include men as well? It includes everybody. And is it mostly women who, who are struggling with this? Or in, in your experience, do you have as many male clients? Um, it, it's definitely more women who are struggling with it statistically. But I think that also it's more women who are taught to understand that it's something worth working on. I do work with men sometimes. And I find that more often than not, they uh, they kind of struggle silently. Like they, they don't know even that that's a thing that they're allowed to be struggling with. So as you said, you're a coach, um, writer, speaker. Uh, you focus on uh, helping people overcome the suffering associated with body anxiety, insecurity, and negativity. Ex explain some of those conditions. Uh, is, is, the, 
is the condition, is it usually reflected in the body or is it mostly in the head? Oh God. It, yeah. It. Okay. So if your question is, can you usually tell who like would be suffering? Yes, exactly. Yeah. No, it, you can never tell. In fact, at this point, I feel like uh, I am convinced that practically everyone struggles with body image in one way or another because as soon as I tell people what I do everyone even the people you would think were the most confident like confides in me about their own insecurities their own anxieties um, no. their own as you as you say um, body image issues are not about how you look it's ironic isn't it yeah so it's yeah. how you feel or how you think or how you perceive so body image is just the image you have of yourself in your head. Most people with negative body image, they're going to have a, a negative or distorted vision of themselves in their head. But uh, people who really struggle with body image, meaning like every day they look in the mirror and feel hatred or failure or uh, anxiety or they, they find themselves obsessing all day long about what they're eating or how much they're exercising. Like people in that position, there's always something else going on. They could look any number of ways and that's not going to solve the, the thing that's really happening because there's always something else going on. And when you say something else going on, you, um, you know that, uh, you were, and, and you put this about yourself on your website, so it's no secret that you were sexually abused at seven and you've endured endless sexualization, objectification, and sexual harassment. Is that often the core issue? Maybe not specifically in what you've experienced, but this broader uh, objectification, shall we say, in the culture? So it can be, but in my book, I break down four different, I call them the body image avatars. And the, the four categories are basically like the underlying root cause of body image suffering broken into four categories. And the self-objectifier, which is the one that I most related to in my own history, um, that is one. And that's definitely the biggest reason for that one. Um, but there are three others and each one has a totally different root cause. So perhaps you might go into these four body image avatars. You've, you've spoken about the one you experienced. What about the other yeah. three? So the high achiever. So the way I like to think of it is the self-objectifier learned to equate their worth with their attractiveness or their desirability, uh, usually to men because, you know, being objectified in society is usually by men. Uh, however, the high achiever learned to associate their worth and and value as a person with their um like accomplishments and social status and ability to be special and good uh the outsider learned to equate their worth with their ability to fit in uh which can mean any number of things depending on where you are but often just in the broader social you know uh ideal of what is like considered normal and acceptable and then the runner is usually using their body image, uh, thoughts, feelings, or behaviors to avoid something that they don't want to feel or face inside themselves. It's interesting. Uh, when, I, when I was thinking about your book, um, we, we had a show a couple of weeks ago with a couple, Juliet and Kelly Sturette. They're, they both look incredibly fit, and they're the authors of a book, Built to Move, The mm -hmm. Ten Essential Habits to Help You Move Freely and Live Fully. I mean, they were charming and very smart. But it seems as if all the, the medical advice, and I wonder if you see this as a problem, mm. all the medical advice that seems to be coming out 
every day in the newspapers you read about this study or that study showing that you need to exercise you need to eat more responsibly you need to control your body what do you yeah. make of that is that in itself a, um, an attack on the idea of body neutrality do we need to not read these articles i mean they seem to be scientifically truthful uh that's a hard answer or a hard, a hard answer to give there so I, it's not exactly that we need to avoid them but i would say that most of them get they get an incomplete picture uh which can be really misleading and really harmful so for example you know if we if we look at uh any article suggesting that you need to keep your calories below a certain amount in order to lose weight in order to be healthy like that completely ignores the fact that intentional weight loss via dieting has like a 98 percent failure rate so why would anyone you know what doctor would recommend something you mean people lose weight and then they put it back on or they sit yeah yeah in the long term i should say yeah it has a a long term in over two years those those people will have gained it back um, and a pretty 90, big percentage mean, of, of everyone who goes on a diet, only 2%, two out of a hundred actually succeed in keeping the weight off. Yeah. Who are those 2%? Uh, well, in my opinion, they are people with disordered eating. So in that way, like you can maintain a really structure, you can override your body signals to a certain extent, but it's going to take a totally different. Uh, disordered approach. So ironically enough, it's the very people who can keep their weight off. They're the ones with the problems. I mean, yeah, they're the ones with with a strong enough uh, drive to overcome their body's natural urge to keep them alive and healthy because putting weight back on is generally their body's way of trying to keep them alive and healthy. Now, granted, some people can lose weight in a healthy way, but most people who are setting out to lose weight in order to be healthy uh, the intent of losing weight is what is what trips them up because then they restrict food and they set off the binge restrict cycle and there's just a lot of physiological and psychological reasons that that, that doesn't work. Yeah, I mean, how central is diet culture and our fetishization of diet? You have a a popular a podcast. This is not about your body. You had one recently about liberating ourselves from diet culture. Is diet culture ubiquitous and dangerous, Jesse? In my opinion, absolutely. And I would say that, uh, again, there's nothing inherently wrong with losing weight as an end result to making healthy choices. But the, the focus of diet culture is the weight loss. Like, it has it backwards, I think. Because if you happen to already be unhealthy because you're living an unhealthy lifestyle, you make changes, you might lose weight. But you also might not. So to focus on the weight just totally screws up your relationship with food and exercise and your body. And to what end? It doesn't make you any healthier than you would have if you just made those behavior changes. You know that lots of your clients are what you say trapped in body hatred. How, how does that manifest itself? Ooh, it can look a lot of different ways. Uh, outside of like obsessing <laughs> over uh, diet and exercise, which is a pretty major one. Um, it looks a lot like shame, feelings of failure, feelings of like distress, like getting really stressed out when they look in the mirror and just feeling huge, powerful feelings of hatred and uh, sh and shame and failure. And that is something I hear all the time from people who say like, no one in my life even knows I feel this way, you know, because they don't go around talking about it. They just feel it's like a burden they carry with them everywhere.
How much of this, uh, Jesse, is rooted in education? I mean, you're uh, you're someone who probably mostly works with adults, so I assume you have some yeah. younger clients. But how much of this is rooted in our education system? And um, also, what about social media? I mean, you're on Instagram. <laughs> There's a lot of criticism of so of of social media, particularly platforms like social uh, like like Instagram, which yeah. many people suggest are promoting body anything but body neutrality. Yeah. Uh, I think social media plays a really big role, especially in the younger generations. But really, it's like anytime you spend a lot of time comparing yourself to other people on the internet, you're you're unlikely to feel better on the other side about yourself. Um, and a lot of people on social media are really invested in making themselves look really good. So there's like a lot of highlight reels and posed things and filtered things. Uh, so yeah, I certainly think that that in a lot of people's uh, body image plays a pretty big role in making them feel bad about themselves. Education, I'm not sure, because we never talked about any of this stuff in school. Not in my school, anyway. Have you yourself um, realized what you call body neutrality? Is this something that you think you've, I wouldn't say perfected, but <laughs> personally reached? Have you escaped uh, the body positivity, negativity, uh, 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 irony, where they're both as bad as each other and, and realize body neutrality, person. Yes. So, yeah, it's a hilarious way of putting it. I don't think I've perfected anything because it's an ongoing journey. We have a relationship with ourselves and our bodies for our entire lives. So it will always be evolving. Um, but yeah, I feel very body neutral. And in fact, one of the, the coolest things I think about having done this work for myself now is that when old body image thoughts or feelings do show up, like occasionally if I have like a dysmorphic episode, like I'll look in the mirror and look totally different to myself than I did the day before, um, which used to happen all the time, but now almost never happens when it does happen. I have a relationship with my body image, uh, in which I can immediately go like, Ooh, that's interesting. I wonder what's going on with me emotionally right now. Like, I wonder what unmet needs are going on or what needs to be addressed right now. And so I can actually like have a really friendly relationship with my actual, you know, the, with the dysmorphia or with the body, body image thoughts that used to be bad and spirally. Now they're like little friends going like, Ooh, something needs to be looked at over here. So how has it changed and how would it change, Jesse, our relationship both with exercise and with food with that donut or with the urge by trainers like Juliet and Kelly Sturette to be always moving and count our steps and all that sort of thing I think that body neutrality uh encourages and relies on self-trust and trusting your body and being really connected to your body so you can actually listen listen to the messages it's sending you because it is constantly trying to send you messages uh it is constantly trying to have so, like a so you're presenting the body as a almost a separate person <laughs> uh, 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 a, a, a thing of messages that sends you stuff i mean there there just are a lot of messages being passed back and forth between the brain and the body and there's like way more that come from the body to the brain than go from the brain to the body so it just is always giving you messages. I mean, think about it. Like, how do you know you have to pee? It's because there was a sensation. There was a message in your body. How do you know you want to sleep or you, you're hungry or you're full? Like, all of that stuff comes from signals and messages from the body. So it is constantly talking to us. But if we don't 
know how to listen to it, then you kind of have to rely on external sources like a diet or exercise program or, you know, discipline or willpower or so whatever. In an odd way, what you're saying in your book, for to be body neutral, we, the brain needs to stop trying to master the body. Yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. But at the same time, we don't want the body mastering the brain. Yeah, I mean, that seems unlikely to happen for <laughs> most people I talk and to. And how has it changed your relationship with that eternal donut? Uh, meaning what? Meaning food. And uh, so a lot of people be watching this and think, oh, I, mm. you know, I love this idea, but, um, you know, I like my donuts. Yeah. So, I mean, can we love our donuts and still be body neutral? Of course. Uh, in fact, I would say that uh, restriction, so this is not a concept specifically of body neutrality, more of intuitive eating, but they're, they're very compatible. Um, restricting food, like restricting any particular kind of food, restricting of, of an amount of food, it has backlash. Uh, it has psychological and physiological backlash. So if you tell yourself, I'm not allowed to eat donuts anymore, like A, you're going to want more donuts than ever. And B, on the other side of your willpower running out, you're going to eat a bunch of donuts. So if you just tell yourself that you're allowed to eat donuts and you occasionally eat a donut when you want one, most people, after a certain point of time, if they've been dieting, they might have to go through like a, a healing their relationship with food phase. But ultimately, the body doesn't want to eat donuts every day. Like it just usually doesn't. So when you're actually in tune with your body and able to listen to it and communicate with it and honor and respect it, we tend to eat a pretty balanced diet. So then you can trust your body to tell you what it wants and when and how much. I have to admit all this talk of donuts. Kelly uh, <laughs> is putting me in the mood. Finally, uh, as I said, you have a great podcast. This is not about your body. You had another one, self-abandonment and soul hunger. How much of this is, shall we call it, I mean, it's not necessarily your phrase, soul hunger, yeah. uh, our appetite for meaning, outside the body, maybe not formal religiosity, but the kind of spirituality yeah. that traditionally powered uh, monotheisms like Christianity? So that's such a good question, because I don't think most people would tell you, like most people, most of my clients up front would say it has nothing whatsoever to do with any of that. However, most of my clients at a certain point in our coaching together, usually like a few months in when we've really unpacked a lot of really interesting stuff and we're kind of getting deeper, there will come a point where they realize like their self-worth, which is tied in some way to their body or their, uh, their appearance, their self-worth is existential, right? Like it has a spiritual component or at least it has an existential component because how do you define a person's worthiness for existing? So eventually, I think uh, a lot of us have to deal with some pretty big picture existential questions when it comes to body image, like literally what makes a person worthy of existing and why. Uh, and whether you do that with religion or spirituality or whatever, uh, everybody's different. I don't think there's a right or wrong way to do it. But I do think those questions, like they do underpin a lot of these uh, issues. Uh, maybe, um, maybe we need a new church, a new religion. Maybe we call it. Body neutrality. <laughs> Great. You can be the uh, high priestess. You want to take that responsibility? No, not really. I'll just support.